Previously, on a romp across Ethna, you race through the town once more, waving your last goodbyes to all those you see. You there! She shouts at you. Tell me what happened and make it quick! Well, of course I'm getting undressed. You do realize what you've purchased. A romp across Ethna. Episode 3. A Faithful Encounter. Unfortunately, I have to go start my shift, but this was real nice. If you ever find yourself making your way back through Stonebridge Meadows, give me a shout. She leaves you with a last kiss before making her way to the door. A smile creeps along your face as the last night's events replay through your mind. You turn and wave to her as she closes your room's door behind her. You look up at the sun peeking through your window and contemplate whether you really want to get up. Your growling stomach makes the decision for you. After relieving yourself in the corner chamber pot, you wash yourself up in the water basin provided in your room. As you stare at yourself in the mirror, you furrow your brow, twisting your naked body in the mirror, looking for any sign of scrapes, bruising, or open wounds. There's nothing. You grab onto the amulet in your hand, twisting it between your fingers. You're unsure of what kind of magic the amulet holds, but you're thankful you have it. A sense of determination washes over you as the discovery of the amulet's unlocked power only fuels your desire to get to the academy sooner. Letting the amulet drop around your neck, you walk over to your pack, noticing the staff had cleaned your muddied clothes. You pull out the spare clothes you had tucked in the bottom of your pack, and replace them with the ones that were just cleaned. After securing all of your belongings, you shoulder your sword and your pack and head down the hallway. Sounds of pleasure and conversation seep through the cracks of the thin wooden doors. You walk down the stairs into the open seating of the inn's diner. Before you sit down at one of the open tables, a waitress brings you a cup and begins pouring you freshly brewed coffee. Something tells you that she's familiar with you more so than you are with her, based on the way she giggles and smiles at you. It's only a positive feeling, leaving you grinning from ear to ear. The smell from the kitchen leaves your mouth watering. After placing your order, the waitress quickly brings you a plate of the morning's breakfast. Eggs, smoked sausage, sweet tomatoes, and beans. In just a few minutes, the plate is clean. Feeling more than satisfied, you finish your cup of coffee before leaving a silver coin on the table for the staff. The smell of wet grass fills your nose as you exit the front door. When you look over at the warehouse, you're surprised to see no one loading anything. You take a step forward only to hear a familiar voice call to you from your left. Hey, hero, why don't you have a seat next to me? She says, waving you over. On shouldering your pack, you sit in the rocking chair next to her and listen intently to your employer as she explains her current predicament. As you no doubt have noticed, the caravan hasn't been restocked with supplies. This is in part due to the trouble the Stone Ridge Meadow has been encountering as of late, something which you got first-hand experience last night. Many of the townsfolk are behind this season. Tools are going missing, animals getting loose out of their pens, random fire starting... And all of that compounded by the local wildlife becoming more aggressive. 
I've spoken with the town's mayor. He promised to make every effort to get me my supplies. <sighs> While we were in the middle of our negotiations about how much of a late fee I was going to charge him, he offered me, and by proxy, you, a job. You lean back in the chair, rocking a bit as you look into Lady Rax's eyes. She's as emotionless as a statue, making it difficult for you to get a read on her. You're thankful for her support last night, but you can't help but wonder if she's now using that to try to take advantage of you. Rather than just committing, you ask her about the details. The smile she gives before she continues leaves you feeling uneasy. The reasons why I hired you and ignored your earlier... tardiness were due to the skills you claim to possess. Sword fighting, hunting, and finally, tracking. I know quality when I see it, and your actions yesterday prove that. Now, I've been in the business for a long time. I know a good deal from a bad deal, and I'd like to think I can smell the hun shit from the roses. The townsfolk think this is all due to the will of Fira, but that's not true. You watch Lady Roxa tap her nose. I do believe they are telling the truth about what's happened to them. But if you know anything about the Divine, you know that the townsfolk's assumptions are just flat out wrong. The god of trade would never let his sister disrupt us like she has. And I'd like to believe Bothnon and I are close. He's always been good to me. She leans forward, placing her elbows on her knees as she looks you in the eyes. Now on to the ask. I want you to find out what's really going on here and put a stop to it. If you agree to it, I'll negotiate a fee on your behalf. Only taking eh, 10% as a finder's fee. It is my understanding you're heading to Twins Crossing to charter a boat, correct? If so, I'll also put in good words with a few acquaintances of mine to see if one of them will bring you on board. It will save you a lot of coin. So, what do you say? You scratch your chin, thinking about all the ways she could screw you over. However, the need to support yourself overwhelms any reason why you shouldn't take the job. With only a handful of gold in your pouch, you understand your income is nowhere near stable enough to be able to support yourself long-term. You decide to press her on the amount she thinks she can get from the mayor, the number being the deciding factor of your decision. Lady Roxa looks up and nods her head from side to side before responding. Fifty gold and I'll take my ten percent. If I can't squeeze them for that much, then I won't charge the fee. You agree without hesitation. Good. I'm glad you see the value for us both. Based on what I heard from the mayor, the reason they believe this is tied to the goddess of the elements is because they erected a statue in her honor, placing food, coin, and trinkets as offerings. He claims that they disappear, but there's nothing stopping a local from scooping the stuff up for himself. It might be a good place to get started. The wolven you and your father dealt with in the past jumps to the front of your mind, causing you to wonder if he's now plaguing this town. You stand and sling your gear as you ready yourself to head out. Oh, before you go, I just want to make it clear that if you want to get paid, you need to handle whatever is afflicting these folks. You'll need to bring back some kind of evidence that you've dealt with it. I'm down three men already. Otherwise, I'd send some of the guards with you. If you find out who it is and you need some help, you can reach out to the local sheriff, Sheriff Whitman. You thank Lady Roxa before jumping off the porch and begin walking further down the road. Based on what you remember Irami saying from the night prior, the townsfolk erected the statue on the south side of town. 
It doesn't take you long before you see it on the horizon. It's a ten-foot-tall stone carving of Fiora. It depicts the goddess with her standard short hair, one hand painted red and the other blue, standing barefoot and her body covered in vines. However, most statues you've seen represent her as being small, thin, and lean, whereas this artist seems to have designed her with the goddess of love and fertility in mind, giving her accentuated breasts and a thick bottom. When you reach the statue, you bow your head and intertwine your fingers before you begin to pray. You recite the same prayer your father taught you when you were but a child. After you finish, you take a gold coin out of your pouch and place it in one of the many saucers that litter the front of the statue. After paying your respects, you get to work. You take a step back and begin looking at the area. The constant foot traffic makes it difficult for you to identify any kind of pattern. However, nothing seems out of the ordinary. Your focus shifts to that of the statue. You remember your father's training of magic items and how most of them look like ordinary objects. However, there were some etched with runes that gave them their magical prowess. After performing a thorough search of the statue, resulting in questionable looks from passers-by, you don't find any runes, abnormal markings, or hidden compartments. You let out a sigh realizing this is going to take an old-fashioned stakeout. Looking at the surrounding area, you try to identify a good vantage point. You spot a nearby hill peak that's less than a hundred feet away that should give you an angle where you can see the statue clearly. You're confident that the grass is high enough that if you lay prone, it will conceal you. Deciding that this is your next step, you make your way up the nearby hill. Over the remaining day... You maintain your focus and vigilance, paying special attention to anyone who approaches. Even when you think you spot someone taking from the offerings, you run down the hill and find that everything still remains. It isn't until the sun is nearly kissing the horizon that you make a break in the case. While you were sitting cross-legged, eating one of Freyna's captain's bars, you noticed that the saucers begin to disappear. It happens so fast that you rub your fists in your eyes in an attempt to clear your vision. You shove the sweet in your mouth before going prone and crawling down the hill to get a closer look. After a few minutes, you see two more saucers disappear. With the proof you have, you crawl back up to your pack, pull out a torch to pair with your sword, and slowly make your way down the hill. Your plan is simple. Get as close as you can to the statue without being detected to gather more information. The statue sits on one side of the road, leaving you plenty of space and a divot on the other side. Because of the curvature of the hill, you believe it should let you lie low enough not to be detected. You wiggle yourself onto the ground, the front of your body covered in mud once again. Your mind races through dozens of possibilities, but none met the expectations of what followed. You hear the soft sounds of buzzing and humming approach the statue on its opposite side. Scraping sounds of two more saucers being lifted echo loud enough for you to hear. You peek up over the ledge and follow the buzzing sound until it disappears into the tree line some fifty feet away. Magical invisibility pops into your head as the reason for the undetected creature, leaving you confused as to why the thief is being so careless. Its humming is a clear giveaway. Maybe it's getting too comfortable or cocky, you wonder. From what you remember, this has been going on for months. From the lessons your father taught you regarding fighting and tracking invisible creatures, 
Now that you are aware of its presence, finding them will be easier. If you can provoke them to attack you, they will also lose their invisibility. However, that should only be used as a last resort. Depending on the type of attack, it could be nearly impossible to defend against, and combat is all about stacking the odds in your favor. With that thought out of the way, you decide your plan is to try to track it back to where it's coming from, hoping once it has completed its task, it'll let its guard down. You wait another 30 minutes as the creature makes pickup after pickup, remembering how your father drilled patience into your head. With the final saucers picked up, you wait until the buzzing is barely audible before jumping from the ditch, staying low as you follow the sounds into the forest. You realize rather quickly how dense this section of the forest is, doing your best to step on soft brush in an effort not to give away your position. With a thick canopy above, the dim light makes it difficult to see. You manage to keep up your stealth until you stop when the trees open into a clearing. Your eyes go wide at the overgrown hedge maze filled with twisted thorny vines. Looks as if someone ripped it out of a mansion's garden and placed it randomly in the forest. Unnaturally, the blue and pink moonlight shines down from the open canopy above, illuminating the unexpected obstacle ahead. Deeper into the maze, you hear the sound of a grinding stone and flowing water before the humming and buzzing disappears. In for a copper, you mumble. You make your way to the entrance of the maze, unsure if you should just call it here or should proceed further. Since the creature has already shown magical affinity, a worried thought looms in the back of your mind of getting trapped into the maze forever. Without your pack, there's only so long you can last without food and water. However, your commitment to get the job done builds your confidence in your skills. Grabbing onto the amulet around your neck, you hope that if something bad happens, it will be your saving grace. You take a deep breath and step into the maze. You stick out your left hand, lightly grazing it along the hedges, making sure not to get your gloves snagged by one of the dagger-sized thorns. Your movement is slow and methodical, making sure to keep an eye out for anything that could be seen as a trap. Hours go by as you run into dead end after dead end. A deep feeling in your gut tries to force your mind into despair. Yet you stay true to your belief that you will find your goal. After turning a new corner, the maze opens up. The hedges line up in a 50-foot square, giving you plenty of room to walk around. In the center of the opening is a piece of contorted stone that looks like a cage sitting upon a waist-high pillar. Underneath the pillar is a 10-foot diameter shallow pool of water. It reminds you of a fountain, but there's no running water. You smile as the realization that you're making progress fuels your desire to see this through. Remembering the sounds from earlier, you make the assumption this is where you needed to go. Walking around the stone bowl, you look for anything suspicious. Finished with the circle, you run your hand along the exterior, looking for any pressure plates or triggers, only to come up empty. You straighten yourself out, scratching your head, thinking about what to do next. The only stone left is the sculpture and the pillar it sets on. Realizing you need to get closer, you take a slow step into the water. After your first foot is in, you place in another. You stand petrified, waiting for anything to happen. When nothing does, 
you take another step, and then another. Now that you're closer, you can see the statue is just one long piece of cut stone that curves at random angles. After running your hand along it, searching for any give, you notice that the angles in the artwork shift if given enough pressure, emanating the grinding stone sound you heard earlier. Curious of the changes in shapes, you manipulate the sculpture. You spend the next several minutes turning and twisting the bends in hopes of brute forcing your way to solve the puzzle. As more time passes by, you grow frustrated at the lack of progress. You walk in circles around the pool, thinking that a different viewpoint may give you a clue on what to do. And that's when you see it. The twin moons above cast a wavering shadow on the water's surface. The shape of the shadow looks oddly familiar, like Fiora's symbol containing the four elements, earth, wind, water, and fire. You quickly jump back behind the sculpture and begin manipulating the stone, using the shadow as a guide. When you're sure you've got everything lined up correctly, your smile quickly fades as nothing. The ground beneath your feet gives way, sending you falling into the abyss below. After several feet, your back hits a slick surface. You're sliding down a muddy tube. Vines and tree roots hang above you as rays of moonlight pass through crevices through the ground above. The speed at which you're falling creates a strobe-like effect, disorienting you as you slip your way down. You can't help but shout as you're shunted out of the slide. Gravity takes hold and you plunge deeper into the dark. As you fall, you look down to see a pool some 20 feet below. Pulling your arms to your chest, you straighten your body to brace for the water's surface, hoping that it's deep enough. After crashing through the water, you open your eyes looking for any signs of threats. Bright green and blue flora illuminates the water, giving you ample light to see that there is nothing waiting for you in the pool. You quickly swim upward, gasping for air once you press the surface. Glowing fungi and exotic plants line the interior of the cave, allowing you to see the reflection of the obsidian black walls. Looking deeper into the room, you notice an opening, leading to somewhere unknown. Swimming to the pool's ledge, you pull yourself out of the water and take the time to pour out the liquid in your boots. You reach overhead, ensuring your sword is safe in its scabbard before slowly pressing forward into the cave. You stop as you reach a long corridor. The glass-like rock's see-through exterior reflects the light off of the flora behind it, making it difficult to get a sense of your surroundings. The perfectly cut stone triggers your instincts as you assume someone trapped the hallway. You go prone, looking for any trip lines that are strewn across the sides. With nothing clearly visible, you turn around and go back to the cave's entrance. There, you grab the longest and thickest vine you can find and cut it. You roll it up and bring it back with you to the corridor. When you reach to the edge of the stone, you unravel the vine and throw it down the length of the hallway. To your surprise, the vine falls straight through the rock and you hear a splash come from below. Just as you thought, a trap. After pulling the vine back up, you repeat the process, throwing the vine onto the walls and ceiling. You conclude that it's only the rock on the ground level that is an illusion. Your mind thinks through the various options to clear the gap. The length of the hallway is too long for you to jump, and you don't see anything you could use for an anchor to swing across. 
judging by the width of the wall. You're confident you could shimmy your way over by bracing your arms and legs on each side of the corridor. Before you make the attempt, you extend yourself over a part of the hallway that still has stable ground beneath it. You're confident in your ability to suspend yourself, but the glass-like surface has you concerned about sliding off. As a final precaution, you return down the hallway looking for an anchor point. You find a thick stalagmite close enough for you to anchor to. After tying one end to the base of the stalagmite, you tie the other end around your waist. You spit in your gloves and rub it along the bottom of your boots for some extra grip before doing it again with your hands. Taking a deep breath, you brace yourself across the wall and shuffle horizontally down the hallway. You go slow, taking your time to secure your body after moving. When you're a foot away from the opposite edge, you feel the vine pull on your waist. You realize it's not nearly long enough. Panic sets in as your muscles burn from the constant weight of your body. Realizing you're going to have to drop one hand, you try to press yourself as hard as you can into the wall. You let out a bestial shout as you drop one arm to quickly pull at the knot, causing the vine to slip from your waist. You're barely quick enough as you shoot your other arm back in place. Sweat pours from your face as you make the last foot to the opposite edge. When the ground shifts back to dirt, you drop to the floor in an echoing thud. You roll over laughing at your own success. You lie there waiting for the burning sensation in your arms and legs to fade away. While you recoup your breath, you hear the faint sounds of humming coming farther down in the cave. There's no denying the beauty in the song, and so you just wait and listen. With your breathing under control, you stand and draw your sword. The cave continues another 20 feet before opening into a forest clearing. This part of the forest is unnaturally bright, illuminating as if sitting in sunlight. Unfamiliar plants composed of bright purples, reds, and blues create a euphoric mosaic that feels abnormal. But the humming itself is what keeps you on edge. It's now coming from all directions and not a single source. The creature notices you and calls for you to step forward. <laughs> oh? What's this? Someone has finally managed to complete my trials? For months, I have bided my time alone in this forest, waiting for the right person to come along. A few were close, but they all failed. That is, until you. Who am I? <laughs> well, tell me your name, and I'll tell you mine. That's... not what I expected. My name is... Well, I doubt you could even say my name, but you may call me Adelina, or Ada for short. So, tell me, my champion, what drew you to take up my challenge? Was it for the thrill of adventure, the mystery of the unknown, or the privilege to meet the architect of this exciting game? You were hired? Well, that doesn't make much sense. Why would the townsfolk hire you to partake in my games? 
Didn't they get my notes? They threw them away? Oh, well, no wonder no one has shown up except those couple of hunters that got lost in the maze. I ended up giving them a concoction of shroom juice so they wouldn't give anyone hints about finding the maze. Fira? You thought the goddess of the elements would waste her time with mere mortals? <laughs> You're funny. Haven't you read the word? Well, if you have, you would know that goddesses and gods can't directly influence Ithna's creatures. They can only pass boons to divine magic casters. They can only speak with an aspect. And even then, it's no guarantee that their influence is going to work on them. What am I? Oh, yeah, let me show you. Ta-da! I am a fae, spirit of the forest. You've never seen a fae before? Well, that's not surprising. We only reveal ourselves to other fae or those we deem worthy. So you should feel pretty honored. What I'm doing here is quite obvious, isn't it? I'm just having a bit of fun. Yeah, fun. I mean, you should have seen the looks on those townsfolk's faces when I let all of the chickens out of their cages in the middle of the night. Watching a dozen men chase around hundreds of chickens throughout the town was <laughs> hilarious. It took them days and I still don't think they caught them all. <laughs> Yeah, it's been so boring being all alone. All of the other Fae are either spread so far that we can't find each other, or they're an intra. Oh, that's our home separate from this one. You might know them as pocket dimensions. Uh-huh, but it's so boring there. The Queen sets all of these unnecessary rules. Ithna is so much more fun. So, anyway, back to my great idea. I spent weeks coming up with this plan to create individual trials, which would test someone's strength, speed, and intelligence. Nothing that would kill or permanently harm someone, but the threat would need to be real. I cultivated the hedges, dug the slide, and then left an illusion with a water pit below. Animals? I don't know what you're talking about. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I had nothing to do with the wolves. They attack because of what's been happening around the town. They're angry because the town keeps encroaching on their land. And in my opinion, they have every right to defend it. <laughs> because they told me, silly. How else do you think I would find out? <laughs> of course. We Fae are innate. We are born with magic. Well, we can talk with all walks of life, animals, plants, and insects. We can turn invisible. We can manipulate the elements. I specialize in Earth if it wasn't obvious. You know, things like that. What about you? I'd imagine you must be quite powerful given you bested all of my tasks. Really? I don't know whether that makes you more impressive or not. Well, 
You may not have magic now, but you might be gifted in, in the future. Maybe you'll receive a blessing from one of the gods. Although, that comes with its own set of problems. You could also develop your skills later in life. I knew a fae who didn't develop her innate abilities until she was 730. Yeah, keep your head up. You've already proven yourself to a fae, which is more than many could do. What am I going to do now? Hmm. I don't know. I honestly didn't think anyone would make it this far. Uh, I do have to keep my word and move on, now that someone has completed the trials. Wait! Where are you going? Well, you, you can't leave just yet. Why? Um... Uh, because you didn't claim your reward. Yeah, that's it. You get a reward for completing the trials. What's the reward? Hmm. Oh, I know. It's me. No, you get me. I mean, what's a better gift than me? You thought you were going to get a chest of coin. <laughs> coin is temporary. I am forever. Why? Well, I can't put my finger on it. But there is something about you. You are my champion, so we are bound by fate. And you can't deny Septimus. Plus, I think it will be fun. Come on! It will be fun! But I can be helpful. L look, you're all muddy and wet, right? Ta-da! Now you're all dry and clean. See? And if you're out hunting for food, I can guide you to the nearest prey, or if someone is annoying you, I can summon a slippery puddle underneath them so they slip and fall into a cow pie. <laughs> Ooh, I need to write that one down for later. There's also other things I could provide. Even though we fade do like our games, our second favorite activity is a bit more physical. Well, let me see what I'm working with. Oh, don't worry, I'll summon your clothes back when we're finished. Whoa, you're full of surprises. Even limp? It's bigger than I am. <laughs> of course I'm going to poke it. You don't see something like this and not play with it. Go sit against that tree so I can get a better look. Well, I'm not gonna let you be the only one exposed. So, what do you think? Blessed with the body of Fura herself. Don't you agree? <laughs> Thank you. You're not so bad yourself. Wow. It's so warm. I can feel the heat radiating from your cock across my entire body. <laughs> I can feel your heartbeat through it too. It's so calming. I could... <sighs> stay here and sleep for a few days. Whoa! Look at how big it got! And... Just by my touch? <laughs> I 
can feel your heart beating faster. Look, it's throbbing a bit too. It's like a plank board on a captain's ship. <laughs> it's got some spring to it. <laughs> I really like this cock. It's fun. <laughs> My small hands and feet tickle. Then how about this? <laughs> oh, what's this? You're leaking. <sighs> it smells good. <sighs> It tastes good, too. It's all gone. I want more. What do you want me to do? Keep kissing and sucking it? Under the tip. Is that where you're more sensitive? I can do that. Too long. I want more. <laughs> hmm. You want me to stroke it? But I'm only so big. I need to cover more surface area. Hmm. Oh, I have an idea. It's a magical hand, but it's invisible. It's how I perform a lot of my tricks without being seen. Now, I can stroke you while I get to eat as much as I want. Mm-hmm. 
Mmm, so tasty. It's sweet like Bellafama pine fruit. For breakfast, second breakfast, lunch, dinner, dinner, supper, and a midnight snack. Give me more. to do this forever. We're going to stay here forever, and you're going to feed me forever. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
is the best day ever. I'm so happy we met. You want your clothes back? Uh, uh, hang on, my fingers are wet. Uh, let me lick this off my hand. Wait, where are you going? I am not finished yet. You can tell them later. Why don't we stay here longer? You need something to prove this is over? Hmm. What about this? It's all the offerings they've given me over the months. It's probably worth close to a couple hundred gold if you include the jewelry and gems. Of course you can have it, my champion. But maybe we could. Ugh, fine. But I am coming too. You owe me more meals. <laughs> we can go this way. I can lead you back to town from here. Where are we going anyways? Twins Crossing and then Hilarum. Why do you want to go there? Episode Summary Equipment Changed Minus one silver Minus one torch Minus one Freyna's captain's bars Backpack and included gear left behind 200 gold worth of jewelry and gems XP gained Identified the cause of Stone Ridge Meadows hardships 100 XP Became Adelina's champion, 200 XP. Harem changed, plus one harem member. Adelina, Fey innate trickster, Earth focus. Your power grows, obtained level two. This was a romp across Ethna, episode three, a faithful encounter. Narrated by Rebecca Woods. Talia performed by Just the Queenie. Lady Roxa performed by Endymion VA. Adelina performed by Cumbom. Audio production by Boshita Blasta. Written by Ajax Ligon. Thank you so much for listening to our production. If you enjoyed this performance, please consider subscribing to Ajax's Patreon at patreon.com slash There you will gain early access to unreleased episodes of A Romp Across Ethna art of the various characters of Ethna, participate in community events, and more. Make sure to follow all of the artists and performers on social media, which will be linked in the description. Thank you again, and we hope to have you back for Episode 4, Fracas with the Flathorns.